0: Welcome to Radio Tamboa, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 19. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of drink and food, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together, through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. I bring you greetings from the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, a ministry whose mission is to equip God's people across cultures and, and uh, languages and tongues and tribes for the defense of the Christian faith for the development of biblical discernment, and for cult evangelism. We have been working through Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we are in chapter 2. We have been looking at Paul doing what any apologist or defender of the faith would do, calling upon believers all over, particularly in the church at Colossae, to know what they have come to believe to stand firm faithfully and fruitfully in that which Christ has done in their lives. And Paul warns them saying, That if they won't know what they stand for, they will fall for anything, especially from the false teachers of the day. That if they won't be discipled and grounded in the truth of their faith, deceptive teachers who use philosophy and human tradition will take them captive back into the life they once lived before Jesus became their living Lord and reality. Paul has been expressing concern that the Colossian believers, while saints and faithful brothers, are vulnerable to the deception of their age. We've been asking a question. Can Christians be deceived? Can believers be deceived? And if I were there to ask you questions, you who are listening in, most likely 90% of you would say, no, nah, Christians cannot be deceived. How can you have anointing and be full of the Holy Spirit and be carrying a five kilogram Bible and praying for the whole night? How is it possible that you can be deceived? But did you know that even people who follow the devil also pray? Did you know that even agents of Satan used the Bible? When Satan tempted Jesus during the wilderness time, what did Satan use? A Satanic Bible? No, he was quoting from the very word of God. Did you know that somebody could come to you, use Christian language, use the Bible, Use Christian hymns and songs and, and phrases and terminology and yet actually not be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Did you know that somebody could open up the pages of the Bible, read it very well, but misinterpreted and misapplied? I am very convinced that on the judgment day, There will be so many people on their way to hell that we never thought could go there. Simply because all their lifetime they looked Christian and everything they did looked like it was Christian. There was nothing around them to suggest that they could have been in error and yet in truth they were. Which is why the Bible has several warnings about believers watching out against deception. In fact, for your information... Every book in the New Testament, except the book of Philemon, has warnings for believers to stay away from deception and false teaching. The Bible warns believers about the danger of false teachings, probably more than it tells believers about heaven and its glories. If the apostles If Jesus himself thought it was very important for us to guard against false teaching, then as believers living today, we do very well, not only to beware that false teachings exist, but that it's actually among us. It is not only deceptive, but dangerous and destructive, and therefore we do well to discern it and defend ourselves. The Apostle Paul speaking in Acts chapter 20, he warns the Ephesian elders, And he says that I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Even from within your own ranks, certain men will rise up who will distort truth to draw away disciples. Did you hear that? Even from within within the church, within their worship team, at the very altar, in the intercession team, Paul says from places where you least expect, deception will be lacking, it will be looking for whom to devour. Which is why there are lots of warnings in the New Testament. Watch out, beware, to it, be careful, be diligent, because the threat of false teaching is real. The threat of false teaching is urgent. The threat of false teachings needs to be addressed. And as we ask that question, can Christians be deceived? The answer is yes. And today I would like to take you again to Paul's letter to the Colossians to see what advice Paul gives the Colossian believers and what advice we glean for ourselves as we listen to the Apostle Paul address the church at Corossi, but even more specifically address believers of all times as we live in this world, as we wait for the glorious appearance of Christ Jesus our Lord. So from verse 16, he begins with the word therefore. And someone has said, if you ever see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And if you look at it carefully, you notice that this is not the beginning of Paul's narrative. Paul has already been talking to the Colossian believers. He has not only invited them to discipleship, to be rooted in Christ and to be built up in him and to grow and walk in him, but he has already given them the warning, let no one take you captive. In fact, in this second chapter of Colossians, we see Paul give at least four or oh, warnings that begin with let no one, again another m- way to underscore his a sense of urgency as to why we need to be aware of false teachings. In verse 8 he has said let no one take you captive. In verses 16 he has said let no one pass judgment on you. In verses 18 he says let no one disqualify you from the prize. Let no one, let no one, let no one. Why does the Apostle Paul vehemently, insistently tell the Colossian believers that no one should hold them captive or disqualify them? Why? Why would you warn people unless you see danger? In other words, even from those statements of Paul, we can already tell that believers indeed are susceptible to error. Believers indeed can be deceived. And at the time of Paul's writing, believers indeed had been deceived. When he writes the Galatians beginning from chapter 1, you can see how he warns the Galatians, "Oh, oh, Oh, you guys, you began well, with the gospel of God's grace. Why are you moving away from the gospel that once saved you to a counterfeit one which is really no gospel at all? Not only does he remind them of how they have swerved or deviated from true biblical teaching, but he reminds them of the glaring judgment that awaits them. He says if anyone, whether we the apostles or even an angel from heaven, should dare preach any gospel other than from the one you once believed, anathema. May he be cast. May that person be cast. You can see the severity of judgment that lacks in Paul's warning. You can see the intensity and the emotion carried in that word, that phrase that Paul brings forth, reminding these believers that the danger of falsehood is real, and the judgment that follows it is equally real, which is why Colossian believers must watch out, must sit must sit with must be diligent that no one will take them captive. Now from verses 16 to around 18, which is our focus, that the Apostle Paul says, let no one disqualify you. First of all, he begins by saying, let no one pass judgment on you. And then he goes on to describe the different things that false teachers are likely to impose upon believers who have been saved by God's grace. While he first told them that just as they received Christ in the same manner they must walk in him, Now in verse 16 he reminds them of the people that are seeking to change and challenge the way they began their walk in Jesus. By imposing certain rules and regulations, certain rituals and traditions, certain empty philosophies that would take them away from the simple and pure foundation of God's grace to a religion of man's do's and don'ts that eventually robbed them of their newfound freedom in Christ while the call to christianity is a call to rest these false teachers are calling them to work to work hard like never before to deny themselves of the privileges and liberties that they have found in christ and one of the areas in which these false teachers that we would rightly call legalists seek to deceive them and take them away from the truth is the area of food You shall not eat this, you shall not do this, as though eating and drinking has a role or a contribution to play in as far as their salvation is concerned. If you think about it for a moment, These false teachers seem to have been saying that yes, you may have been saved by grace, but now you must keep your purity of the gospel by not eating certain foods, as though what they eat would affect their eternal destiny in heaven. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no! Let no one make you feel guilty because you eat certain foods as though these foods had anything to do with your eternal salvation and destiny. You've been saved by grace and not by food. Now, as we say this, you are probably laughing and you are saying, Paul is not serious. Why would he waste his time talking about which foods to eat and which foods not to eat? Does it really matter? Maybe you are also there and you are saying, of course it does matter. Don't you know that when you eat certain foods you may defile your body and that, that that is a prohibition against you in the Old Testament? And indeed, we have several religious groups that have imprisoned their church members and have robbed them of their newfound freedom in Christ Jesus by insisting upon which foods they may eat or not eat. And what is even much more sad is not the fact that they prohibit these foods, but that they prohibit them in the name of the Lord. For them to convince their members that this is not what they should not eat certain foods, they will bring it as though God gave them a revelation or a vision or a prophecy last night. They may even bring it saying thus says the Lord, as though this is a direct command from the Lord Himself. And their followers out of fear for God will follow the man made rules of their leaders unaware that these rules actually have nothing to do with the gospel or even the God who has saved them. We have heard of religious groups, for instance, that make a uh, um, make more of the days of worship than even the object of worship itself, who is Jesus. Like you will hear people say, you must only go to church on Saturday and if you do not worship on the Sabbath then you cannot be saved or you will not go to heaven. You have heard of people who will tell you that you need to pray in a certain way and when you look out for the new moon then that means that is an honorable day in which you can worship or maybe God's blessing have come down. So they call you to the worship of stars and moons and planetary bodies. They call you to the worship of particular days instead of Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, by the way. They call you to abstinence of certain foods and certain dress codes and practices, as though these in and of themselves would secure your salvation. And Paul says, all these things, my friends, are perversions of the pure gospel of God's grace. When God saves people, he doesn't save them because they stopped drinking or stopped smoking or stopped putting on mini or certain high-heeled shoes. In as much as these are society regulations for good society order, they have nothing to do with how people get saved. Now, am I saying that people should continue drinking and putting on mini skirts and smoking and so on and so forth? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when you stop them, it does not mean that you are a Christian, you stopped them. For anyone to be saved and to have even hope at eternal life, they must embrace Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. People go to heaven not because they stopped smoking or stopped dressing shorts in short skirts. People go to heaven because they embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They received him by grace and by faith in him. And this is what Paul is telling the Colossian believers, men and women who had known Christ Jesus by faith. Now they are being told by some false teachers in their midst that on top of their faith, they must add the do's and don'ts of drink and food of the days of Sabbath, of festivals and new moons. And Paul says, don't you know? Don't you realize that these were just a shadow of the things to come? that the reality of the gospel of God's salvation is now found in Christ Jesus. Do you remember what Paul has been discussing in Colossians from verse 8 to verse 15? About Christ being the fullness of everything, and the reality of whom the shadows and pictures of the Old Testament pointed. That circumcision itself finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Baptism itself is symbolic of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That believers who have known Jesus have been spiritually circumcised, not by knife, have been baptized and have now been raised with Jesus, and that the record of their sins has been cancelled. Paul has reminded them that Jesus has not only forgiven their sins, but he has proven himself to be powerful and to be God by triumphing over powers of darkness, disarming them publicly and making a show of them for all to see. And Jesus is now not only the object of their devotion and worship, but he is the one in whom they must put their hope. And when men put their hope in Jesus, they find in him, fullness and completeness that they do not need to add anything on top of Jesus for the perfection and completion and finality of their salvation so we have people here teaching the believers at Korosi that Jesus is not enough that he may have purchased their salvation but they must sustain it by observing certain rules and regulations, laws and commandments and the apostle Paul is saying no, never let no one make you feel guilty because you do not follow those rules and regulations because those rules and regulations were appointed to Jesus Christ in whom salvation is found. And now that Christ has come, all eyes must be focused unto Jesus. All must look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, as the writer of Hebrews will tell us in Hebrews chapter 12. Anyone who dares add on the sacrifice and service of Jesus not only insults, him as the finality of salvation and the only way in which men can be saved but they end up with a system of religion that is legalistic that makes them feel guilty that puts them back in the old life they once lived before they encountered christ and such a religion of faith only robs them of their freedom in christ the apostle paul says let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one make you feel guilty because in Christ Jesus you have found rest. In Christ Jesus you have found all the fullness of the Godhead. In Christ Jesus you have found freedom and now you must walk in that same freedom that you have found in Christ. Not by adding on to Jesus but by realizing your fullness and the fullness of everything as is found in Christ. In verse 18 he gave them another disclaimer, another qualification. He says, let no one disqualify you. Disqualify you from what? From the new life, from the freedom that you have found in Christ Jesus. And how are these false teachers likely to disqualify you? He says they insist on asceticism, on the worship of angels. They insist on visions rather than the written word of God. And such people are usually puffed up they are usually, without reason, they are usually prideful. Characteristics of false teachers, rather than humility, they are proud. Rather than uh, depend on Christ, they depend on visions and revelations they claim to have seen that are divorced from the teaching of Scripture. In fact, visions and revelations these days have become channels of the worst deception of our age. Not only are they dangerous, but they are not easy to detect and define. How do I know that the vision you claim you received actually came from God? Why would I want to listen to you unless I am convinced that indeed this is God's will for my life? But if you take a moment to think how many believers today are feeling stadiums in Kampala today, are listening to apostles and prophets and pastors who claim they have a plan for their life, that they bring in the name of a revelation or a vision or a prophecy, and much as this would be good if they were coming from God, there is no evidence to suggest that they are. In fact, in most cases, when you hear the messages in those visions, they flatly contradict what we already find revealed in the scriptures, another indication that God has not sent them. But they are using visions and revelations to manipulate and hold captive these innocent brothers and sisters who once saved by grace are now living according to the rules and dictates of apostles and prophets of our day. How I pray that the Lord would open our eyes, that we may not be taken captive as the apostle Paul is warning us, that rather than put our hope and expectations on a certain prophet, that we put our hope in Christ Jesus who died and rose again. The only one who has proved himself, not only to be powerful in saving us, but he has proved it by triumphing over powers and spirits and demons and death itself. And as the resurrected Jesus, he has proved beyond any shadow of doubt that he is the only one who was following which is why the apostle Paul only says that he is the head of the body in whom everything is connected together but he is our head and when we hold fast on to him we no longer will be intimidated by the demands of such false teachers who call us to worship angels hoping that through angels we will get God's blessings. We no longer have to deny ourselves of bodily comforts we no longer have to to, to, to fast beyond what is Necessary or required by the scriptures we no longer have to pray until we drop we no longer have to do certain rituals and regulations so that we can please god to bless us but instead we will resting in christ find everything that god has vested in christ his son the fullness of the blessings and the privileges of heaven that have come to be ours through jesus christ who is our mediator and perfect representative Paul calls these Colossians believers to realize that whatever it is they are trying to sweat for, God has already lovingly and willingly given it to them in Christ. In other words, the password to fullness of blessing is Christ. The pin code to fullness of blessing is Christ. And Paul is saying that rather than trying to follow certain rules and expectations put upon you by your teachers, men and women that seek to take you captive through their own control and manipulative tactics the apostle paul says come to jesus remember jesus who died for you remember jesus who canceled the record of your sins remember jesus who forgave you five years ago when you became a believer he is the one you need to come to again when you have fallen short of his standard you do not need a prophet to be forgiven. You do not need an apostle to give you a new revelation because God's revelation is fully and finally revealed in Jesus Christ. He is the author and finisher. He is the alpha and omega. He is the lamb of God that once was slain but is now alive forevermore. That is why the Apostle John captures him in the book of Revelation as one who is worthy to open the scrolls, as one who is worthy to open the book of life, as one who is worthy to sit on the throne of the majesty of God, as one before whom the angels and the saints from different nations, languages, tribes, all gather and they sing, "What is the Lamb? Honor, greatness, goodness, Wisdom And power and authority Be unto the Lamb that sits upon the throne Not be unto a certain prophet Not be unto a certain apostle No matter what level of anointing they are on Not be unto even my church pastor No matter how faithful he is But glory, honor, wisdom and power Be unto the Lamb that sits upon the throne The apostle Paul says that the antidote for deception is Jesus That in Jesus you will find everything you need for salvation, everything you need for sanctified living here on this side of heaven, and everything you need when you finally arrive in the presence of the Father in heaven to celebrate with him for all eternity. Can believers be deceived? Yes. Are we seeing believers being deceived in our day? Sure, many of them. Do we know ways in which they are being deceived? Yes. Legalism revelations that are above and beyond the Bible, false prophecies, false claims to visions and dreams that have no foundation in God. Rules and regulations are added on top of the gospel of God's salvation. In these and so many ways, believers who are called to freedom in Christ have found themselves in captivity under the mercy of false teachers and false prophets and apostles and so many others. And the apostle Paul makes a clarion call today to you that freedom has come to you in Christ. Freedom is possible in Christ, in him, through him. For him I found all the fullness and all the blessings you will ever need. Will you come to Jesus today? Do you realize that you have been under a deceptive spell from false teachers? Are you willing to come to Jesus before it is too late? For not only will you find in him a second chance but you will find that he is the savior and there is none other that he is the liberator and there is none other. No wonder he says come to me you who are weary and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. May the Lord bless you so much as you think through this. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.